You know, we as people, we like to see things. Even though, like, not just see, what is see in person? In person. All of us have, have, have had experience, I think, by now of seeing somebody, but not seeing that person. We, we look at them through Zoom, as those of you online were looking at me, it's not the same. You know? It's not the same as being in the presence of something. You can read all about various amazing things in the world, but unless you are there, it's different. One of my favorite things is seeing the aurora. Beautiful pictures online you can find. Beautiful. In fact, last week I was talking to my friend who was from Alaska, and I said, Neil, you're so lucky, man. You see the aurora every day. Yeah, I don't notice it anymore. <laughs> every morning he goes to work, and he just sees it. All right? And then he comes back, and now he moves to Singapore. I said, now you miss it, don't you? He said, I miss the cold more. I said, how cold is it in, in winter? Eh, a warm day is zero. Fahrenheit. <laughs> you know how to calculate. It's still minus for us. So we like to see things. And if it's beautiful, colored, shiny, even better. Even better. So this building, uh, 20 French Road, is, has two names. First name is the walkie-talkie. It's in London. We see it. It's shaped like curve, and then it's from like narrow to, to wide. But now he has a new name. The new name has been fixed. But for a while, it was known as a death ray building. It was so shiny and so big that it reflected the sun off on cars. They melted cars parked in the light where it's shining. It melted the pavement. It melted everybody. That People would say there's at least a 10 degrees difference turning the corner and walking into the sun. Which I think, is it, doesn't London love the heat? Isn't like something you want it, but it was a little too much. It was actually literally burning down the town. Big and shiny. You represented somebody's design work and a company's huge asset ability to build such a beautiful, big building in the middle of the city. We've been doing that all our lives. Big building, big things, shiny things, visible things. From the Bible, King Nebuchadnezzar. Heard about the dream, and he's like, let's have it in different metal. No, I'm King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm rich. Let's get it all in gold, shiny and big, because I'm gold. I'm not going to give up my gold to a silver or anybody bronze, copper. No, it's all gold. And guess what? It's so shiny, so big. Why don't you just worship it? Worshipping shiny and visible things means something we've been doing our entire humanity's history. But sometimes, and actually nowadays, the shiny and visible things are not so huge anymore in reality, but are so huge in our mind. And it could be many things that we try to build that's shiny, attractive, capturing, visible. And as I told you that last week, we went forward a little bit to the new tablets being written. We're going to go back to see what happened between the first tablet and the second tablet. If you would turn with me to Exodus 32, verse 1. If you don't realize that the Ten Commandments, when it was given in chapter 20, 
the fine prints was the next 10 chapters. From 20 to 31 was actually all the little fine prints that was involved in what the Ten Commandments mean, and all fit into just one tablet, two tablets, both sides, double-sided printed. And, and it was just, people think it's just the ten, but actually there's a lot more, and it meant a lot, actually, to the Israelites. We think as modern people that rules and regulations are restrictions to us. But you know to the Israelites who were slaves, where there was no written law, where law was what the person overseeing you felt like, where there was no fair transaction, there was no objective covenant, where it was all about, I don't like your face, now why don't you go and till the ground some more? It's all about the Pharaoh being upset at what Moses said and dealing out punishment upon the entire nation according to his whim and fancy. But yet in this incident, in this event of writing down, this was the almighty most powerful being in the world writing down the rules of order. This is how we're going to engage. It's going to be fair. It's going to be inscripted in stone. It's going to give you rights and power. We think that when we look at Ten Commandments, we look at the law, it's taking power away from us. Would you like to live in a country where there's no laws? I don't. Of course, not too much, right? Just nice. What is just nice? Unfortunately, as human beings, we don't know what's just nice. We know what's more and more and add more and add more and more. We give fine prints, fine prints, sub, 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 uh, uh, subset one, uh, two, three, four, three. But God is not like us. God knows what the Israelites needed. He wrote ten chapters of it so that they understand. But if you notice, in the ten chapters that he was writing about the, the commandments, he wrote something that's very interesting. He wrote about the construction of something that represented his law as a visible and probably shiny building, the sanctuary. He spent so much time going to detail of how the sanctuary is constructed, and just before 32, he even specifically, for the first time in the scripture actually, where the Holy Spirit was introduced, where he empowered, I'll try to not butcher the name, Oheliab and Bezalel, to construct Gifting them the spiritual gifts. God understands that humans need something to represent a concept. We need to see it. And that is why it's so much easier to teach your children mathematics when there's five apples instead of five circles. If they can hold five apples in their hand, and you give me two, how many apples are there? Five. Because it's still mine. Human beings need something we can see and touch and observe and represent and so that we can understand what it means. God knows. Actually, God was giving specific, giving specific instruction of how to build the thing. In the meantime, while we're waiting, that's the problem of humanity. A lack of patience. That's where we come to the story. Chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, 
the people gathered themselves together to Aaron. Well, Moses is not here. Let's go to Aaron. And said to him, up. Don't you think it's a weird word? Up. Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses dude, the man who delivered them and broke, took them out of Egypt, who performed the te- was God's instrument in performing the templates. That dude, right? Who speaks with God, God through lightning and thunder. That dude. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Make us gods to go before us. It was a mindset, a desire driven by fear of what's going to happen and a fear that nobody will be there to defend them. And also a wrong recollection of history. You read the verse carefully. First of all, you are pretty rude to Aaron. Up. Don't make us gods. How is it that somebody who listens to your instruction is supposed to make a god for you to worship? Human beings. The way we think is so crazy. That somebody has to listen to our instruction to fashion somebody we have to listen to instructions from. Don't we fall into that trap again and again and again and again and again, even to today? Idiosyncrasies? But make us gods who shall go before us. And typical Israelite form, as for these Moses who actually in their memory rescued them. Now we don't know what happened to him. Dude, this, if you think correctly, this is the guy who rescued them, you don't care about him. Wow. Gratefulness. Which is not new, right? Forgetting who. But the fact is that till this point, still have not come into a relational connection with the God behind Moses. They're still looking at Moses as the man who saved them, but not realizing it was not Moses. It was God. It was Yahweh who used Moses. And because Moses was gone, mind you, they could still see the lightning and the thunder. Mind you, they could still see probably pillars of cloud. It's still there. But Moses is gone. We can't see. We can't touch. So make us new ones. New gods to lead us. Who can't move and can't talk either. Who can't interact, can't understand, cannot feel. But make us new gods to worship. Do we substitute real relationship with materialistic or even like dead things? We think things that we do will give us what we desire to do. We think having a good education will ensure a good life. We think having a good job will ensure that I'll be satisfied, fulfilled, happy. We think having a good marriage, finding the right person will satisfy the deep desire to connect in us. We think having children will bring meaning, purpose to what we want to do in our lives. We think that getting things sorted out and things flowing peacefully 
will ultimately lead us to joy. But God is not against those things. In fact, God created those things. He invented work. He instituted marriages. He commanded children. But the problem is when we replace God with the things He's given to us, we do not realize that when we worship God truly, properly, fully, can our education be meaningful? Can our work have true purpose? Can our marriage have the true unity God intended for it to be? When we worship God for who He is, can we rear up children, bring up children in a way that honors God that will bring joy and happiness to us and purpose and meaning? We don't realize that we, only by worshiping God properly can we enjoy everything else He's created for us. We misplace our focus. How do you know you've misplaced your focus? That's one thing that we always count but have no control over. Time. What time is it? Pastor James has 20 minutes to go before he has to shut up. Time. It's time to start. It's time to end. It's time to wake up. It's time to go. It's time to get off work. Time. If you don't count it, it keeps going. Look at your time and how you allocate time. People used to think that we have control over time. Time has control over us. You choose what to do with time. If you have control over time, I will pause time and sleep until I feel good, then let time continue. But no, if I go to bed late and the time comes, I have to wake up. Time is the master, not me. So if you say, master time, time management, no, 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 self-management. Ultimately, all of us, and they're seen in the Israelites, we're looking for protection. Not wrong. We're looking for guidance. Not wrong. We're looking for assurance. Not wrong. The question we ask ourselves is where do we look for these things? Today, it's found in Google. People say, I want to know what keeps me safe from COVID. Google. Google says, wear 10 masks. I will do that. Google says, spray your entire house with antiseptic. I will do that. Google says, who's Google? We're looking for guidance. I'll tell you, you go and type. If your phone, if you have a phone, take it out. Pastor say, okay. You type what is first search the meaning of life. Second, what is the purpose of life? What is, or what am I here for? People are going to Google to look for answers like this. And it's amazing if you read it. I, I read it in preparation for today's sermon. You get, then get this whole bunch of, I don't know who you are, you have a nickname, Anonymous205678, who gives me an advice, and I say, wow, you've just told me the truth of life. Google. Guidance. Assurance. Is it going to rain today? Is COVID going crazy? Should I go to work? Should I take this pill? Should I do this? Should I do that? If Google says it's okay, 
is okay. Where do you go for protection, for guidance, for assurance? Who do you seek for answers? Visibility. Today's visibility is different from previous visibility. Today's visibility is found in this visibility. It's magic. You click light. Let there be light. Unlock. Only I can unlock it. Private access. Click information. You just have to go to the library to do that and you only get like one of a thousand of what I find now. Or we go to people we're in connection with. Not wrong, but not enough. Where do you go to look for your guidance in life? You look for those who you have you a relationship with, around you. But sometimes you could be in a chamber called the echo chamber. Part of what I'm doing for school now is I have to force myself, as part of my studies, to read op- opposite viewpoints on everything. If I find a book on this view, I have to find two books on the opposite view. Because I'm biased already. I have to read both. So I don't have much views. So I don't read too much. No. I have to formulate my ideas. I have to find everybody arguing against it and read all what they say. Because why? Maybe I'm wrong. Have you ever thought about that, that you might be wrong? That your ideals, your opinions may not always be correct? Because you formulated your opinions with who? With yourself. Let's go back to the scripture and see what happens there. Exodus 32, verse 2. So they came to Aaron and says, May us God. This is Aaron, like the guy who translated for Moses, who witnessed the ten plagues firsthand. And so Aaron said to them, with not much fight or re- resistance, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. This is so crazy because first they were giving instructions to Aaron. Now they're obeying everything Aaron says. Verse 4. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods. Do you notice the weirdness in this line? He made a golden calf. But he introduced them as plural. These are your gods. We're going to talk about it later. Oh, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The upward is important. It's repeated again and again. But here, isn't it weird that sometimes we think we're just focused on one thing, but the one thing actually encompasses everything. He built one golden calf. And it became, these are your gods. For the longest time, people think that they were worshipping the cow. That the cow was their god. No. Most likely, I will not claim too much high to your confidence, every single god in the ancient Near East had a ride. There's something they rode on. An animal. A horse, something. Aaron didn't know how God looked like. He built his ride. He didn't know who God was. He thought maybe a few of them are sitting on the cow. These are your gods. I can't see them. 
but you can see the ride. That should be enough. Because honestly, to that point, the Israelites was not worshiping God. They were worshiping Moses. Everything Moses says, he performs the miracle. He's the man. They still couldn't see God. And Aaron understood that, actually. And so I don't need to show them God. I need to show them a vessel that represented God. I built you a cow. This is probably what God writes on because cow in, in that part of the world was one of the most important animal you could have. It provides milk. It provides meat. It provides everything you need. You know, The skin can be made into coats. So God must be, choose the best animal that we have and he writes on it. These are, what are your gods? The fact is, we think we have a visible representation of our gods, but actually our gods are invisible. It's driven by a deeper, deeper desire and need in our lives. That you, if not have, you have not confronted it, if you have not dealt with it, you are continuing, you continue to worship this idol that you have set for yourself in your lives. We are trying in our best effort to create representation of the idol so we know what it is. But the fact is, we actually don't know who this idol is that we're still worshipping. People say you worship money. No, I think they're worshipping security. Or in a way, they're worshipping fear. People say they're worshipping status. No, 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 they're worshipping acceptance. Actually, they're worshipping love. People think of worshipping things that is represented by the physical thing, but they actually point to a deeper thing that we have in our hearts. What or who are you worshipping? And what are you using? The, like, the clue is, what are you using to represent that need you have, the idol you've constructed over the years to give yourself assurance, protection, guidance? The golden calf show was shiny, it's been of gold. It's pretty amazing how Aaron could do it in the midst of the desert wilderness. Melted gold and then fashioned a calf. I don't think it looks so beautiful and smooth. But he did it. It is amazing. Talents could be something we worship. Eh? Talents can be used to serve God or to serve ourselves or to serve an idol. But let's go forward. When Aaron saw this, see, I told you that the calf, not, not it. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. See, he was still worshipping God. Wrongly. The word here is Adonai. He's not worshipping the cow, but he doesn't know how to represent God. He doesn't know how to give people assurance. So he creates an idol, the calf, and says that God writes on it. Because we need an intermediary to help us get to know God. Really? So today's sermon is James trying to get himself out of the job. Too often, we build our relationship with God through the pastor. But we don't believe that. We believe Jesus came and took away anybody in between. Jesus is the in the between. If you were unplugged 
from the Aztec system and placed by yourself, would your relationship with Jesus continue to grow? If there was no more online streaming of Aztec sermons, if all of a sudden all internet in Singapore went down, and all of a sudden you're stuck in a bunker somewhere with you and God and hopefully a Bible, would you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus? I'm not saying church is bad. I'm definitely not saying pastors are bad. But could we use visible things to replace our personal connection with God, personal growth with God, personal desire to grow deeper with Him? We excuse ourselves and our spirituality, our lack of growth spiritually with the church is horrible. The pastor cannot preach. My Sabbath school teacher, I don't know what he's talking about. My Bible study teacher was bad. I didn't have the right translation. I didn't have the Andrew study Bible. Are we continuing to make excuses for our lack of commitment to, to God? Who are you worshipping? Who is this God? Verse 6. And they rose up early the next day. And they followed exactly what was instructed. And they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. This peace offering is only stipulated by Yahweh. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. See, this is the scariest form of worship. When you think you're worshipping God, you're using the method of worshipping God, but yet you're actually worshipping idols. Because Adam wasn't sure. These are your gods. So choose for yourself who you want your God to be. Whoever your God sits right with you, that God, worship that God. That's cool. The outward methodology is the same. We offer burnt offerings and peace offerings as, as though we're worshipping Yahweh. But your God, you decide in your heart. Isn't that what we hear in the rhetoric in spirituality today? It doesn't matter. It's you and Jesus and how, who He's like to you. Now, there is an objective, real person, God, that exists. It's not a, a force of being, of positiveness, of like good feelings. Of, he's, no, there is a God. He's real. He's a person. Specific to how He functions, interacts. He wants you to know Him. That's why for the Israelites, he wants them to reconnect with him. He spent 10, 11 chapters describing who he is like to them. The sanctuary was not supposed to be worshipped. A lot of us worship the sanctuary message today. The sanctuary is pointing to Jesus. So it help you understand who Jesus is. If you, you just get stuck here, you've missed the point. If you memorize the whole sanctuary message, but don't realize the message behind the sanctuary is Jesus, you've missed the point. It's a helpful tool, very useful tool. But don't worship it. Worship God. Whatever tool you're using, remember it's a tool. Worship music is awesome. I love singing praise. Sermons are great if it's good. Right? Even if it's bad, it's good. It tells you what is a bad sermon, what you need to grow in. Right? What, where, yeah, the person's not very good. Like James, he preaches about the same thing all the time. Then you realize there's other things in the Bible. Go read the other things yourself. The tool remains the tool. The church, the church community 
helps us to get to know God, but it's not the end itself. You must get through to God. You cannot stand in the middle of the Red Sea and go, wow, God opened up the Red Sea. You're going to keep walking, man. The idea that the Red Sea opens is for you to cross, not to stand there and look at the whale. It's not aquarium. Although it's pretty awesome. Keep walking. Or else you end up at the Pharaoh chariot. The tool must bring you forward in knowing God. So two traps that you may fall into as you continue this journey of seeking to get through, to just not stop at the golden calf, to worship the true God behind it, not just the representation. Two things that we always do with our faith, we rationalize them. Everything that we think, we explain it away. But I, I hope that your faith has areas or aspects that you can't explain doesn't make sense. That's where God sits. But you don't spiritualize everything too. But everything is just God's will be done. That's not cool. Because that means you're not even trying to think. God wants us to sit in the space in between rationalizing and spiritualizing and realize that He sits in the space the unknown. You can know this much but not know everything. You can trust this much but you know you can't trust Him with anything because you're afraid. You're human. But God comes in. The things you can't trust, I give you some explanation. The thing I can't explain, I ask you to trust. That's where faith, the sweet spot of faith sits. Continue to move forward. Continue to strive forward. And let's go to Mr. Moses. Exodus chapter 32, verse 20. So he came down. He came down. He was so angry. Which is weird because just before he was saying, God, God, don't be angry, you know. These are the people you're trying to save. But he came down. He's like, he was actually not angry with the idol worship. He was not. I mean, upset, but not. If you read the story correctly, he was actually angry about what they did after that. When they set up to eat and drink and rose up to play, the scripture is very polite. It uses the word play. But there's a seriously heavy, cultish, sexual connotation over the word. God doesn't want to punish us because we made a mistake of focusing on the wrong things. But it's how we act after that. We act as though we have understood. And we perform things that is contrary to his guiding guidelines and say, that's what God wants me to do. That's where, that's where Moses was like, what are you doing? He didn't see them worshipping the calf. He was angry at the calf. But it's what they were doing as a result of the calf. They thought they worshipped God. They acted and they were satisfied and they were doing things contrary to God. That was what got Moses upset. And he again, Superman, right? He took the cup and he crushed it to powder. I don't know how he does it. Super Egyptian strength. Right? He crushed it and then he poured it into water and he makes it drink it. Drink the golden cup. Right? You worship this, drink it up. Let's go on. Verse 24. He questioned Aaron. What actually happened? Aaron, the next high priest, going to be ordained, did this. So anybody with a bad history, just learn from this story, nobody has too bad a history to be God's servants. Verse 24, he goes, and so what happened, Aaron? He says, so I said to them, that anyone who had gold, take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and boop, came out this calf. Excusing all his part in it. In fact, he still makes it sound really amazing, miraculous. 
I didn't fashion it. Moses, you couldn't believe me. I didn't do anything. I took the go, I threw it in the fire, it came out a calf. Wow. So we watched it. Rationalize. Justification. Excusing your behavior. Something wrong with the memory. He forgot he spent so much time carving these little cows. And then I just threw it in the fire, it came out. So three things to advise. In order to go through this journey of walking through and being stuck in the tool, stuck in the instrument that's supposed to get us to God and not getting to God, there are three, a few things I would like to share and remind the church to do. First, remember accurately what happened. The Israelites till now have not realized that it was God who delivered them. And for Aaron, he has not realized that he contributed to their own idol worship. He's trying to shake it off and... and Consider it a miracle, right? Remember actually what happened? Secondly, confront absolutely. Don't rationalize. Don't justify. Dig up things in your life and give it to God. Don't try to keep any part of it inside. God already knows actually, but He wants you to know. Take it out. Confront it absolutely. After you confronted it, Realize that the power to transform is not in you. The power to change, the power to become the new creation God intends for all of us to be alive in Him. Our job is to submit totally. God, I don't know what to do in my life. I can't change who I am. I love worshipping idols that I set up for myself. I'm stuck in it. I can't quit it. But you can. Why don't you take over? Why don't you have control of my life? Submit to him totally. And then leave. Amen. Closing song, sweet, sweet spirit. Building
Father, Lord, we pray for your sweet, sweet spirit to be with all of us. For you are the only one that knows us more than ourselves, knows the deep desire we have, knows the deep burden we have, knows the deep addiction we have. And the idols that we're worshiping in our lives, is, it's not enough. It doesn't satisfy. Lord, we want you to replace it. We want you to take over and submit ourselves totally to you. Because God, we know that you are doing it for love and out of love. And we want to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray.